What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. I'm Andrew Ivins, joined, as always, by David Lake. Week one slash week two of the college football season in the books. David, are you ready for Louisville week? Because it's here. Yeah, man. Big game. Uh, definitely got bumped into a primetime matchup. We got college game day going to be up at Louisville. So Miami's got a chance to make a statement. It was fun watching college football on Saturday. You know, typically when when I'm working a game, a Miami game, I don't get to watch many other games. So with Miami's game being on Thursday, it was fun to just sit down and watch a bunch of college football. Uh you know, it, it was an average slate of games, let's be real, but it was still a lot of fun just to, to sit down and enjoy a full day of college football. Yeah, I think I watched like pretty much 12 hours of football, I would think. Yeah. And there were some weird time slates on that Saturday where like I was watching Campbell, Georgia Southern because nothing else was on TV. Yeah, I mean, there was that rain delay or the lightning delay, I guess, for the Florida State Georgia Tech game. And when that happened, it was like, okay, what game do I go watch now? There really wasn't a great option. Like, I think Notre Dame Duke was on at the same time, but they might have been in halftime. And it was like, oh, this is this is what it looks like when you only have uh, one or two Power Five conferences rolling. (laughs) Okay, so FSU, what what was your quick takeaway from that game? I mean, you know me, I was not surprised at all. Um, I think I texted you and someone else. I was like, Georgia Tech just has to get uh, Mike Norvell off script. And it was, it did seem like after the first few drives faded, Florida State was completely lost on offense. I mean, my takeaway, uh, Georgia Tech might have something cranking and Jeff Sims and Florida State yeah. has a ways to go because I in I didn't even know till after the game and I'm sure I just missed this during the broadcast but Georgia Tech was without two of their top defensive linemen uh, and they kind of just had their way with yeah. Florida State and like I don't I, I would that's probably gonna be the worst defensive front in the ACC this year and they did whatever they wanted yeah, yeah I mean you know these are week one hot takes and they might become irrelevant in week two but definitely it seems like Mike Norvell's gonna have to you know, answer questions moving forward in terms of his ability to evaluate quarterbacks, because, you know, whatever you believe, it seemed like there was kind of a mutual uh, breakup between Mike Norvell and Jeff Sims, which caused Jeff Sims to go to Georgia Tech. Uh, You know, Jeff Sims didn't look phenomenal, but he still, to me, he looked like a pretty good freshman college quarterback in his first start. you know, all the tools are there. The decision-making w- was, you know, erratic at times, but he didn't let that, he didn't let those bad decisions affect him the rest of the game, right? He always yeah. kept coming, kept coming. The thing that surprised me about Florida State, honestly, was their defense looked average to me. Um, you know, we had heard all this talk in the preseason that their defense could be top 20, their defense is going to be the strength of the team. Um, it didn't didn't really play out that way. Now, yes, they only allowed 16 points, which should be enough to win most games. But 
I mean, it took two blocked field goals and a blocked extra point to get there. It took, you know, Jeff Sims kind of drove the ball. He moved the ball on Florida State whenever he wanted. He did throw two interceptions, um, you know, which ended some Georgia Tech drives on Florida State's half of the field. So, you know, to me, it it seemed like Georgia Tech should have scored, you know, mid-20s plus against Florida State. And just the eye test, their defense looks slow. So I don't know. I, I, I mean, tough, tough way to start the Mike Norvell era. They definitely got a bye week to prepare for Miami. And, and I'm not reading into that as a, you know, I don't think Miami's necessarily going to blow them out. Uh, right. we, we'll see how it looks against Louisville. Um, but I, I still expect that to be a tough, tough fought game for Miami. Well, I mean, this is a Miami Hurricanes podcast. Um, you know, we probably yes. talk about break down Florida State all we want. But uh, on our last episode, which was kind of the uh, morning after the UAB game, I think me and you were beating the drum that Miami's performance was a lot better than most people were making it out to be in terms of there was a lot of mistakes. There was a lot to build on. And I still think there was not some pushback from people, but people were not happy by how things sure. went against the Blazers. And, and my question now for everyone is, we just saw a, a full week in a slate, a weekend in which, uh, you know, we mentioned Florida State lost to Georgia Tech. Like, that's not even the game I'm talking about. Uh, Louisiana, they took down a ranked Iowa State team. Kansas State lost to uh, Arkansas State. Coastal Carolina beat Kansas. Uh, so basically, this is a weird year of football. And right. I, I think once you, you know, Take a step back and look at what Miami did. One of the more, I think, notable performances of the weekend, because I think UAB is just as good as um, some of those group of five schools I I just mentioned. Yes, I I agree. I mean, again, I get it to the average college football fan. UAB is not a name that anyone recognizes or cares about. But again, it is a pretty good UAB team. It's a pretty good group of five team. Um, and, you know, again, we all wanted to see De'Eric King, you know, throw for 300 yards and, and a bunch of touchdowns in game one in this new offense. Uh, instead, in my opinion, Miami went the smart route with trying to establish a running game. And, and what we saw with that strategy was an elite performance from, you know, I think we got to call it a four-headed attack with, you know, the running backs, Jalen, Cam, Don Chaney, and then De'Eric King too as a runner. So, you know, running for 337 yards is no small feat against a good UAB front seven that has ranked inside the top 20 in run defense the past two years. And, you know, Manny, uh, Manny Diaz and Rhett Lashley spoke on Monday and they kind of said that that was their plan because they, they felt like, it's going to take a couple to a few games to get the passing game in a rhythm, which I think is smart coaching because of the off season they had to experience, which wasn't ideal with installing a new offense. So you look at other teams around the country that played on Saturday, who really played a clean game. Clemson did, Um, you know, I, I think Carolina didn't. North Carolina did not look clean. They got it going in the second half. I think Louisville played pretty well. They had, a, they had some special teams issues. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, Miami's right there in the conversation in terms of who looked pretty good in week one when playing against a somewhat real opponent. Um, I'm with you. In the context of week one, I think Miami's performance against UAB is even stronger. Yeah. And, you know, as we have gotten further and further away from the game, like some more and more stats have kind of jumped out to to me, at least. You know, there's this thread on our message board (laughs) inside the U.com, like what something's off with the defense. And it just makes me laugh because Miami forced 11 punts and there was only one drive that spanned over 35 yards. Uh, and that was like a right. 75 yard drive. I mean, think about that. It's kind of insane. Um, sure. There wasn't a right. ton of turnovers. We didn't get to see the new turnover chain, but I think it's hard to fault uh, that def- defense. Like, I mean, what you're not going to shut everyone out every week. Um, the Derek King, his PFF grade was 83.9 most by a Miami quarterback since 2018 week three of 2018. So who would that have been? Was that uh, Malik Rozier against uh, Toledo, maybe? Yeah, I think it guess. was. Yeah. So it was an unreal performance from him. And then, and then there was another nugget from Pro Football Focus that they dropped on Tuesday morning that said Cam Harris – or it, the, most yards after contact for players in week two, uh, and Cam Harris and Derek King are both one and two. Cam Harris with 138 rushing yards after contact, Derek King – with 90 um so i don't know just just more and more things that make that performance impressive yes establishing the run at that level is impressive and again doing it against a talented uab front seven is impressive i will argue we'll see if it plays out this way but i will argue i will continue to argue uab's front seven is going to be better against the run than Louisville's. And honestly, like in terms of like talent, pure talent, player for player, uh, FSU's front seven is better than UAB's. I'm going to admit that. But in terms of how they play, how they look, uh, you know, if we're looking at week, their week one performance against Georgia Tech, UAB's front seven plays better against the run than Florida State's front seven. So, um, you know, the fact that Miami ran the ball as well as they did against that UAB front seven, to me, is extremely encouraging. Well, let's kind of get into some Louisville talk. Uh, the biggest nugget or really news-related item that has surfaced uh, since the weekend or the end of that UAB game is Miami's released a two-deep or a depth chart for the Louisville game. Uh, they did that on Monday. One notable change. Ja'Kai Clark is going to get the start on the offensive line over Usman Terore. Um, David, I, I wasn't on the Zoom call, so you're going to have to break this down for me, but w- was it Garen Justice or Rhett Lashley that said Ja'Kai Clark, who is a sophomore, was dealing an in- with an injury, which is why they went with yeah. uh, Terore? Uh, or, or, so guess, they kind of yeah. hinted at that. They kind of just hinted, like it was Rhett Lashley, and he basically said – you know, Jakai wasn't necessarily available for all of camp. So what does that mean during this COVID era? Who knows? But he was, it seems like he was not practicing at some point during camp, right? And so 
that kind of made it an easy decision to play Usman Treor, uh, you know, with the first group during camp. And I think they just kind of let that, let that group continue into week one because there had been some gelling there that had happened. Now, I didn't think necessarily Treor played a bad game. I'm not questioning this decision. Uh, in fact, I kind of like it that they're, they're giving such a quick hook to offensive linemen for, for not performing up to the standard that they want. Um, you know, clearly, I think if you look at the grades, right, they probably were not happy with Treor's run blocking grade. And we've talked about, you know, in, in the podcast leading up to this season, the number one thing Garen Justice is going to want in his offensive line is guys who get after it in the run game. The pass protection, when you have a guy like Derek King and you're running this type of offense, the pass protection is going to get better just from those things alone, right? So Garen wants to make sure his his run blocking is on point. That's something he can definitely control with who he puts out there on the offensive line. And, you know, it seems like by making this move, he feels like Ja'Kai Clark uh, can be more impactful in the run game than Usman. So we'll see how it goes. Are you buying the injury thing though, or, or not? I, I only, I, I don't want to like tinfoil conspiracy theory, but Jakai did play three snaps against UAB. So it wasn't well, like he was out. Right, right, right. No, he was definitely there. He was definitely at the game. I, think I, I know got, that, but I think he got garbage time, right? Right. So, no, he, he did is what I'm saying, but I, I don't know. It just seems like okay if you if he could have played those three cat three those three snaps, like w- wouldn't he have been available to play a full? Uh, what would they have eighty three snaps? I, I don't know. I just thought it was. I'm with you. I mean, and and Rhett was honestly even asked, did you think about making that move? You know, earlier in the game, or, or you know, when things, whatever they saw they didn't like w- when they saw it, and Rhett kind of said, no, we we never really thought about it, but after watching the film with the offensive staff, we kind of felt like this would be the right move. So yeah, I kind of believe it. I don't know. I mean, we can't during the season, we're not out of practice. So right, we got, right. we got to just kind of accept what they tell us. And I don't know, I guess to me, it makes sense. Looking at the PFF numbers and it seems like we're just like a big advertisement for them. Torre was Miami's lowest graded out guard or offensive lineman against UAB. And he had like a, 49.8 run blocking grade which was pretty pretty low uh right his pass I, I blocking think, was decent though fair right i think it was in the 80s so again to the point garen justice clearly wants very good run blocking this year are you concerned about jakai making the the start on the road like i think it would be any other year i mean but he's a sophomore played in 12 games last season yeah made his first start on the road at North Carolina uh, in that second game of the year. And I looked it up. His best game of the season last year came against Louisville. So I think, you know, no, no need to panic. That's just yeah, kind of yeah. my, my view. Honestly, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it ends up being a, a great move and, you know, sparks things on the left side of the line in terms of, of run blocking. But honestly, I think it's going to be a – kind of a like-for-like move. I don't know if it's going to be like some tremendous upgrade, uh, you know, slotting Clark into the 
to the starting group. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was clearly clear during the UAB game that Miami had more success running to the right side of the line, which kind of makes sense because on that right side is Jared Williams, the, the sixth year right tackle transfer from Houston and DJ Scaife, who, you know, has, has arguably been Miami's best offensive lineman the last two years. Um, you know, Miami ran for over a hundred yards when they ran off right tackle. So off of Jared Williams. So that is definitely encouraging that they can do that to that side. And, and clearly they want to kind of have that going on on the left side too. Let's take a quick break on the other side. Some other players that maybe didn't get a ton of snaps against UAB that David, you think uh, could see some extended roles here against the Cardinals. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, David. So you wrote a story, um, I think it was on Tuesday morning, which is when we're actually taping this, uh, yeah. just kind of highlighting some players for Miami that maybe deserve more snaps in your eyes or the analytics yeah. back that up. Um, yeah. Throw, throw them at me. Wh wh who are we talking about here? Because I know one of them is my, my boy, Cam Williams, who um, got some good snaps there and had three pressures on 11 pass rushing snaps. So wh who are the guys? So just to provide context, you know, game, game ones are kind of, in a lot of ways, figuring out what you got. And so in that regard, you're not going to just throw a bunch of freshmen out there. You're not going to just throw, you know, give backups a ton of snaps in the rotation. You want to dip your toe in and you want to see how they perform. And if they perform at a, at a nice level, theoretically in game two, they should see their roles grow. Right. And part of, part of my case for these players as well is because I think they will match up well against what Louisville presents. Um, particularly on offense with what Louisville does on offense. But so the first guy I, I want to highlight, I guess, is running back Jalen Knighton. Um, you know, they, again, they kind of dip their toe in. I clearly think Cam Harris is the guy and 
he should be the guy after what he did uh, in game one. But, you know, Jalen obviously provides a spark with what he brings to the table at the running back spot. And so I think slightly more touches for Jalen would probably be a nice thing for the offense uh, against Louisville. Um, second guy is probably the guy you're, you're referring to that that's your guy, uh, yeah. Cam, right? The defensive end, you know, against UAB, they, they went pretty heavy on the snaps with the starters, Quincy Roche, Jalen Phillips, which I think makes a lot of sense. They're, they're both veteran guys that they kind of know what they got. And the backups, they, they, again, they want to dip their toe in the water and see what they got. Cam Williams was definitely the third best defensive end. So I think he, he played, I believe, 16 snaps, if I have that right. Um, so I think he wants to play more. You agree? Or he should play more. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I know. I mean, you got two guys ahead of him. I, I just think um, as yeah. the game, pro- pro- game progresses and it'll be different against L- Louisville than it probably was against UAB, I mean – you know, you want someone who's your third guy that can generate that pressure. And I'm just saying, like, ideally Miami wants to have a rotation. I'm not yeah. criticizing the staff for, di- for distributing the snaps the way they did against UAB. I'm just saying we kind of saw what, what Cam Williams can bring to the table against UAB. So let's expand his role a little bit and see how he does then. If he, if he clears that hurdle, you expand it a little more. Because ideally, you do want, you know, the snap distribution to not be so, uh, the margin to be so wide between your starting defensive end and your backup defensive end. So that's my case there. The second case, uh, you know, I think net, so this is a case for how they match up against Louisville. So Louisville runs a, with, with their running scheme, it's kind of a zone outside running scheme. Um, which will really test a defense's ability to get sideline to sideline. And so I think, you know, defensive tackle Nesta Silvera, one of the things he does well is run. Um, He can run and change directions. Now, obviously he was a starter in the game, but, and he played, I think around 30 snaps. I just think that's a guy that you're going to need to play more against this Louisville team. And then, a backup defensive tackle that I know you're also a big fan of Jared Harrison hunt. Um, you know, probably the most athletic defensive tackle on the team. Another guy that can run and change directions. Well, and, and look what you might be listening to this thinking, why does it matter if a defensive tackle can run? And it's not necessarily about like getting sideline to sideline from the defensive tackle, but spot, but it's like getting, getting hashed hash can help in the run and pursuit of, you know, Louisville Javian Louisville running back Javian Hawkins is extremely fast to the edge. One of the best running backs in the country, um, having defensive tackles that can help get out to the edge in pursuit, I think is going to be beneficial for this, defense do you agree with that no i i i do and I, i'm sure we're going to get more into to louisville but um I, I i'm i think you're spot on with all the guys that you've said and i know the next one on your list is kind of a good talking point um and, you know linebacker yeah. sam brooks 
I guess now that you rewatched the UAB game, you've heard what Blake Baker has said. Uh, what, where do you think kind of things stand with Miami's two linebacker spots? Because I don't know if people have written about this or this has been discussed, but like Zach McLeod probably didn't have the best of games uh, against UAB. Yes, he had a poor performance, which is disappointing because, you know, he's a fifth-year senior. He's the guy that you would hope would start this season as one of the best players on your defense. Um, He did not play well in terms of both tackling and I think in in taking proper angles to the ball. Um, I'm not giving up on Zach quite yet. I, I... I'm being optimistic that I, I hope he is, this is just kind of game one stuff that, that he can clean up in game two. Um, but yes, if he cannot clean that up, his, his starting job is, is in jeopardy. I do think he's going to always get snaps during the course of a game, et cetera. But um, he definitely needs to play better in, against Louisville than he did against UAB. And if he doesn't, Louisville's gonna gonna hit some big runs. And then BJ Jennings, honestly, I thought BJ played fairly well. Uh, you know, within the context of understanding the type of linebacker he is. So he's a he's a straight up, uh, you know, in the box, uh, between the tackles kind of middle linebacker that can, you know, get through traffic and and tackle guys. If, if BJ has to start running to the sideline, that's where things might get a little hairy for him. And so that's where I think, you know, in this Louisville game, again, I'm not saying BJ had a bad game. He needs to be benched. I don't think that's the case. I'm just talking about pure matchups. In this game against Louisville, I would make an argument that maybe Sam Brooks should play a little more against Louisville than he did against UAB. Um, because again, Sam Brooks has impressive speed, uh, probably the most speed of, of the linebackers that you know are actually playing right now, because Miami does have some, some fast younger linebackers too. Um, but of the guys actually playing, Sam Brooks is the fastest guy. He's the guy who can run sideline to sideline the best. And honestly, when you're facing a guy like J.B. on Hawkins, it's important to, to have a linebacker that can honestly just get there. Um, you know, whether he tackles him to the ground or not, obviously you'd rather him tackle to the ground, but if, if you have a linebacker that can just get there and maybe turn back into the pursuit that's coming, uh, that's, that's definitely beneficial for the defense. So I think, you know, and, and Blake Baker highlighted Sam Brooks as a backup that did play well against UAB and might warrant getting more snaps moving forward. So I think we might see more Sam Brooks. I'm not sure we necessarily see him replacing Zach McLeod because he is working primarily at middle linebacker right now. So I think those snaps would come at the expense of Bradley Jennings. Hmm. Interesting. Um, you keep bringing That's up just JV my on feeling. <laughs> okay. No, I, I'm all for getting the speed on the field if you can. Uh, they did, I thought, play a pretty loose rotation uh, in terms yes. of linebackers. Like a lot of guys, Wayne Steve was in there, uh, Ryan Ragone, the walk-on linebacker, 
who was close right. with Derek King. He also got some snaps. So it'll be interesting to see if they tighten that rotation up or uh, if they continue to get that many guys meaningful snaps. You've been scouting Louisville a little bit, and I know we yeah. will get more in-depth in them later in the week. Uh, just your initial kind of thoughts on this game. Um, it got, yeah. you know, what it slotted into the primetime. Initially, it was going to be at 3.30. Now it's at 7.30. Now it's going to be on ABC. College game day is going to be there. I mean, this is pretty much the big game of the week, and um, I think – both of us had kind of circled it as the big test for my for Miami and, and more importantly Manny Diaz coming right. into the 2020 season and look now it's here and uh, in a opening line according to William and Hill Sportsbook Hurricanes a short two and a half point favorite um, what are you kind of anticipating yeah so I mean we've been talking about it uh, from the Miami defensive perspective but Basically, what Louisville brings to the to the field on offense is a ton of speed. I would argue that their offense, just in terms of having guys that can flat out run, they have the fastest offense Miami will face this year. Uh, Tutu Atwell, arguably the fastest guy in pads in the country. Um, they they had a, a slot receiver emerge in that Western Kentucky game, Braden Smith who had 110 yards, four catches, also looked very fast. He was a, a Juco addition, I guess. And then Des Fitzpatrick is kind of your bigger bodied receiver who I think has been clocked sub four, five in the 40. So he's a big receiver that brings a ton of speed. We brought up JV on Hawkins, the running back. He's a guy who is extremely fast. Honestly, I think he kind of compares to like Jalen Knighton. I think they're very similar players. Uh, I think in in a year or two, we're going to see Jalen Knighton looking a lot like what JV and Hawkins looks like now. And then Louisville quarterback, Mikhail Cunningham is a guy that can run around like Derek King can. He's not quite as dynamic as Derek King, but there's certainly that running ability with Mikhail Cunningham as well. So this Louisville def or offense is going to, stress Miami's defense with speed all game long. Um, so it's important for Miami to limit explosive touchdowns. Um, explosive plays are going to happen. Miami just has to make it where they don't score on them, frankly, and, and make them work to get into the end zone. And, and if you can limit them to field goals, honestly, that's a huge win. So offensively, that's kind of the, the first point. Defensively, the thing that stands out to me is is they do some they got versatile linebackers that they do some tricky stuff with um, in terms of blitzing. They don't really get much pass rush from their defensive line, and so they kind of rely on their linebackers to uh, attack the line of scrimmage and blitz both outside and inside backers. So. It's going to be important for, for Miami's offensive line and for Derek King to be able to call out, you know, whatever they're seeing before the snap and get those protections in order. And it's important for Derek King to know where the blitz is coming from so he can throw into it uh, in that open space. So those are just kind of my two quick thoughts. You know, I'm kind of 
expecting a shootout to be honest. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's, it's going to be a, a fun game to watch uh, as a fan in terms of a point scoring type battle. Um, you know, two, we'll see what Miami's passing offense looks like against Louisville, but I think it's going to be two explosive offenses going at it. Well, I know uh, one game that Miami's defensive staff really didn't feel bad about, but uh, there's been a lot of talk about his, his last season with Louisville. I mean, they had some some good wrinkles to their offense that produced yeah. big plays, and I, I know Miami's going to do what they can to try and limit that as, as as best as they can to their ability. And I think a, a little bit of what UAB did kind of mirrored what my, or what, excuse me, Louisville did last season at Miami. So um, right. they were able to get some scouting, I guess I should say. Uh, my thing is this, this game would be a lot different if it was played in front of fans. Now I think Louisville will have some fans there. What there are 19,000 sure. fans. Um, I believe so. Yeah. You know, how loud does that get? The other thing that I think can be concerning is first road trip for the team this year, you know, and it's a night game. So you're sitting around in that hotel. Everyone is also talking about the game because you are the college game day. So are we going to see a Manny Diaz squad that's ready to go or are they going to come out flat? And let's say they do come out flat. um, How long does it take to get things going? Because I think, you know, if, if it takes a while, then that, that, that could create trouble once again. Um, we haven't brought up Cam Harris, you know, he seems to be full go. Everything's okay yes. by all, by all accounts. Right. According to Manny Diaz, totally fine. Practiced over the weekend. Totally good to go. Which is huge. Yes. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, you could probably make the argument he is, outside of D.R. King, the most important player for the offense this year. It, it's kind of looking that way. So, yeah, definitely, you know, it was scary seeing him have that injury at the end of the UAB game, but it, it appears that it was kind of just a minor deal. Okay. Um, let's talk about the pick'em contest, David. Me and you yeah. both uh, – <laughs> both. <laughs> <laughs> got off to a little yeah little rocky start which i was telling you i don't know how i did that um i guess i i went three and five on the week which doesn't make sense because there's oh no there was 10 games but one of them was postponed so three and five makes sense what about you you were also three and five i was also three and five yes so i think according to the website i'm in 72nd place so nowhere to go but up um, week, week two, now that I have some data on teams, I'll, I'll start running it through my algorithms and <laughs> I'm going to have a big bounce back in week two. So get ready. You know, Gabby Rudia, he, he, he's got four points. So he, he correctly picked Oof. four games. Um, and, and for those un, unfamiliar, uh, we're talking about our pick contest with Dime Life. We've partnered with them. Not too late for you guys to still sign up. Uh, it's a season's total uh, accumulation of points. So, you know, one week you could go 8-0, and the next week you could go 0-8. Uh, o- so uh, there's still time to join. You guys can find that through the smoke.football.cbsports.com. Actually, before we hit um, record on this podcast, I was trying to set the games for this week, but CBS hasn't let me do that yet. 
Uh, I'm sure the Miami game will be one that is, yeah. uh, you know, it's the game of the week. So you're definitely going to have an opportunity to uh, pick that game, but should, should, uh, should, should get interesting. Um, and I thought, I, I thought I was going to do better than I did. At least I got the Florida state Georgia tech game, right? So I feel good <laughs> about that. I know. Should have took it money line, right? Oof. Oof. <laughs> Shoulda, coulda, woulda. If I was a betting man, Andrew. Well, it was not looking good early, early on um, in that game. Uh, what do you got coming up on the site over the next few days? I think me and you are going to try to tape Thursday or Friday, depending on yeah. where I go for high school games. So what, what, what's, on, what's on deck? Yeah, I'm going to be digging in more on Louisville. Uh, kind of just more in-depth stuff. One thing I wanted to do is was look at last year's game, right? So 52-27, uh, arguably Miami's best performance of the season. Uh, you know, Louisville is, is a different team this year. Uh, but w- what went well for Miami in that game, that's, that's kind of what I want to dig, dig into. And uh, I'll have plenty of content on the site surrounding Louisville and uh, this week's big game. This is a big game. I'm excited to see how, how this Miami team handles the situation and performs on Saturday night because if, if they handle business and perform well, I think, I think it's fair to say that this season could be fun. So we'll see Biggest game for Miami since when? Oof. Well. Most, most hyped game for Miami since when? Florida, right? Last year. Oh, uh, yeah. Damn. Okay. <laughs> Forgot about but, that. But that, that, that was like an island game. If if Miami wins, it would be their biggest win since what? Notre Dame, right? Ooh. Yeah. So, get up. We'll see. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Take care.